Defense Minister Harjit Sajjan and Transportation Minister Mark Garno announced details today of the Liberal government's plan for a new defense policy. Lays out a plan of an increased defense budget by 70% over the next decade uh, to $32.7 billion. We are joined now by Christiane Lepracht, who is Professor of Political Science at RMC. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on again. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for being with uh, having me. I, I appreciate you being here. You know, uh, didn't we, the Liberals say not too long ago that we're going to just pull back and return to the peacekeepers that uh, Canada has been known for globally? Uh, yeah, I mean, and we didn't hear, uh, I think, uh, uh, as as much here as we might have expected in this, and I think this suggests that there's a, you know, we our, our main contribution will continue to be to defend the country, defend the continent, and uh, collective defense, which also means asserting our uh, our interests and that's inherently in the Baltics and in Iraq. That's not doing peacekeeping in Africa. And so, you know, I think the government trying to strike a balance here between what it promised and announced in the uh, in the election campaign and uh, what it is actually uh, able to demonstrate both to allies and in particular also keeping some of the critics uh, in the Trump administration happy and making sure they, they, they keep their criticism focused on European allies rather than uh, turning on Canada. Well, you're talking about NATO. Uh, right. So, I mean, and this is what the what the escalation of spending is is about to show mm-hmm. that, you know, where there is a commitment uh, here by Canada. But of course, we've seen this story before. You know, this is 1993 all over again, 2008 all over again. And we know how those worked out. The 1993 white paper really, I think, uh, simply collected dust. Um, and if you look at the 2008 paper, I mean, that became a shopping list that simply became completely unaffordable for, for the government. Uh, and we saw that, that no, under no government previously had more of the capital budget lapsed than it did under the conservative government. So uh, um, how this actually translates concretely, you know, and, and we need to see. I mean, we have, we have a shipbuilding program um, on the books that's substantially more expensive than people had figured. And we also are, are renewing airplanes uh, on several fronts at a significant cost. And so we'll want to see whether the government is actually prepared to stick with the, uh, what it has already announced in terms of procurement um, before we start to have uh, grand discourse and narratives about escalations in uh, spending. Uh, is this uh, less about Trump and more about optics when we're talking about a world that is increasingly uh, the security is destabilizing? Um, look, I think it's it's Canada trying to make sure it signals that it is willing to play its role. And Canada knows that if it if it wants to continue to have influence around the table in collective defense, it means Canada has to show up with, um, you know, I always call it the three C's, cash, contributions, and commitments. Mm. And Canada is good in terms of uh, the, the, the contributions in terms of capacity. It brings real kinetic ability to the table. It is well-liked. I always compare NATO to sort of a six-pack at the beer store. You don't like all the flavors equally. And Canada is well-liked precisely because it has that capability and it's willing to commit that capability, especially, um, especially kinetically. The problem is, of course, um, if you don't renew your military, you're going to have less capacity that you can then actually commit. And so the challenge that the government finds itself in is having to think ahead in terms of uh, continuing to be able to assert Canadian interests by having real capabilities, because that means it, it, it has to step up uh, in both uh, terms of airframes and in terms of, uh, of ships. And unlike the Army, the problem with things that fly and things that float is that they're really high tech, and so they're really expensive. 
Is there a good way to balance the the competing interests involved here, you know, liberal supporters versus international pressure? So, uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good question to ask because inherently every dollar that Canada spends on defense is a dollar that we don't have for social programs, for economic prosperity, for social harmony, for old age pensions, um, for infrastructure, any number of priorities that the government would like to spend on. And Canada... You know, Canada gets accused of being a free rider, but uh, I've compared Canada more to being an easy rider. It always tries to maximize um, the impact that it gets for its defense spending while minimizing how much it actually spends and striking a careful balance in terms of national priorities and international commitments. And my argument is that this has worked quite well for decades. Uh, The challenge is that in the current international security environment, and the demands from the Trump administration, uh, it probably means Canada does need to bring a bit more to the table in terms of its spending, its contributions, uh, and its capacity in order to have maximal impact. You know, think of defense spending as an insurance policy, and it's ultimately about how much coverage you're willing to buy and what it is you want to cover uh, with that coverage. And if in 10 years from now we decide that, oh, look, we should have bought this or that, but we were ultimately too cheap, mm-hmm. uh, things that find things that float, you can't usually just buy off the shelf. These are things and capabilities that require years to uh, to procure and years to train on. And so, uh, you know, it's up to Canadians to decide what balance they're willing to strike here in terms of their insurance policy on defense. What should we be looking for uh, moving forward, you know, to, to figure out if the Liberals are really committed to this new defense policy? Well, I think, you know, uh, we'll want to look at, on the one hand, whether the escalator actually does kick in. I mean, the escalator is nicely timed to coincide possibly with the Trump administration no longer being in office and perhaps some of the pressures rescinding. Um, But I think in the immediate term, we'll want to see, on the one hand, whether the government is prepared to follow through with the procurement efforts that it already has underway. Um, But at the same time, we want to see where the government also is willing to commit to some of the new things that are here. So the commitment to the women and men in uniform and making sure that this is a commitment from the time that they're actually recruited and hired um, right through when they leave the forces and receive their pension and, uh, and, and the health care that they might need as a result of, of having served. And I think that's sort of a new dimension. The advantage for the government is that most of those costs are costs that are also down the road, so probably other governments that will have to assume those commitments. So it's always easy, as we know, with defense in Canada to make all sorts of announcements that are many years down the road. Uh, It's much harder to actually make concrete commitments here and now. And so uh, uh, the government has a couple of years left in its mandate. So we'll have to see how, uh, um, you know, to some extent we'll be able to measure uh, the the commitment that the government is willing to put behind uh, this more forceful and robust policy uh, that on the one hand, I think, is trying to signal to our allies that Canada continues to play an important player in terms of international security. And on the other hand, um, uh, balances that with criticism from the Trump administration and what's sometimes referred to as offshore balancing. So more doing more on continental defense and um, being prepared to go on expeditionary missions. I mean, to some extent, this plays to Canada's strength. If the Trump administration pulls out some of its deployments elsewhere in the world and retrenches them in the U.S., that means as things sort of heat up elsewhere, then it's the U.S. and Canada that will step up more with expeditionary missions. And expeditionary missions have always been where Canada has uh, um, has, has been able to uh, to do well and bring real mm-hmm. synergies to the table. The problem is we always say that Canada likes to punch above its weight. 
but I don't, I'm not familiar with any boxing class that's a punch-above-your-weight boxing class. So I think we need to figure out whether we're featherweight, lightweight, medium-weight, or heavyweight. Um, and uh, that's not entirely clear to me based on the announcement made today. All right. Well, I'm going to leave it at that. Christian, thanks so much for joining us. It's been my pleasure. Cheers. Christian Leprac is a professor of political science at RMC.